Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by the Bridge Initiative, an FI360 project. I'd like to welcome Alex. Heyo! Heyo! We're talking about Queen Elizabeth II today as a Woo! part of this month in women's history, June. We're in June. We're in June. So let's talk. Let's let's talk, but also let's do some setting of the stage for our, you know, for our audience here. Oh, yes. yes. Um, okay. So Alicia... And I, Alex, of course, you know, uh, we're huge fangirls of Queen Elizabeth, also the crown. Yeah. Uh, we're both obsessed with the crown. When is season three? Yeah. When is season three? Um, <laughs> yes. I need to rewatch seasons one and two because it's been so long since yeah. they released those that I don't... We were arguing about this yesterday, I know. weren't we? <laughs> it's been like a, a year, year and a half. half. Or two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so in honor of Queen Elizabeth... We're sitting here in our little recording studio, which is actually just our conference room. Uh, we're drinking tea from the Kenilworth estate in England, I think. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't actually know. That's uh, what it says on the bottle. Okay, it says it on the bottle, on the, on the container. <laughs> um, England. And we're drinking them in my vintage tea set. So uh, if, if we take a sip during our podcast and you hear like a little clanking, like... Um, Maybe that? not that hard. Maybe not that hard. We'll, 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 <laughs> we're not, you know. Let's not me, break it. We're, we're not going to break the teacups. Please don't break my teacups. Uh, but uh, just in case you hear it, that's what it is. Right. It's just us. We also loud. we also have snacks for afterwards, but we're not going to eat while we record because that. No, 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 no. That would be rude. Yeah. So anyway, Alicia, why June and why Queen Elizabeth? So. We picked June because her coronation was on June 2nd, 1953. Mm -hmm. And so we really could have picked a number of months because her life has been so long and with so many milestones throughout many months throughout the year, we could have really picked whatever we wanted, but we felt right. like June was the right thing to do. So, yeah, um, mm -hmm. she, they, they also officially celebrate her birthday in June, even though that's not when her true. physical birthday is, it's in April. So that is why we picked June, mm -hmm. but um, we picked her because of our obsession, but also <laughs> because she is such a big part of my perception and other people's perception in America of what is British mm -hmm. and what constitutes being British and, and a part of... Um, that experience when you go to visit Britain, I went to Buckingham Palace, mm -hmm. didn't get in, of course, but <laughs> drat. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, long lost daughter of yours, <laughs> please come find me. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I think that's, it's a really interesting thing that she was never supposed to actually be queen. Right. So right. she was, um, she was 10 years old, right? When her uncle or her grandfather died and then her uncle um, he abdicated, right? Yes, he because, abdicated. Because the um, the king or queen is the head of the Church of England, mm -hmm. and he wanted to marry a divorcee. Right. And he could not do that as the head of the Church of England because they don't believe in divorce. Right. They don't sanction. I, I don't know if they do now, but at the time they did not sanction divorce. So um, they were not okay with that. And so he was given the choice of abdicate or not marry her, and he chose to abdicate. So... Um, which is in a really great episode of In the Crown. Um, <laughs> we're going to try to keep our knowledge of like what is in the crown versus what is actually true 
completely separate, right? right. I, yes, yes. But it does bear to say <laughs> that the they did go with historical facts in the crown. Yes, they but did. they weave dramatization Dramatic. and, and yeah. story between historical facts. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not an unfair uh, view, I, I don't think. But I wonder if the queen watches the crown, or like I imagine Harry watching the crown and being <laughs> of like. Of course. That's real messed up, man. Like, <laughs> that's not what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma said that's not what happened. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's reality, but in my head, I imagine him like eating popcorn and having a tea and <laughs> okay, watching the crown. I don't know why. I, I imagine her in like a, a, a bathrobe, you know, with her feet up watching a her royal own. bathrobe. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> the royal bathrobe. It's not like, so, you know, like sitting there with a target. Yeah, yeah. She sits there with her little corgis, and she's watching corgis. the crowd. Corgi. What did I say? Corgis. Corgis. <laughs> okay. Corgis. Yes. <laughs> or dorgies, because she did breed dashins and corgis together to make dorgies. All right. I'm not going to try with the words today, because apparently it's it's not a thing for me. Okay. But anyway, let's get back to the actual reason for this podcast. So... She was, uh, she was, what, 11 when her father became king. Um, she, um, she's also really known for her, her sense of duty and devotion to a life of service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what she's the most, most widely recognized, not recognized, but she's most widely known for. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why she's, you know, still um, in her 90s, still so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got... She has links for with over 600 charities, military associations, um, professional bodies, and public service organizations that that really cover like, a, a range of issues from um, opportunities for young people, to preservation of wildlife, and the environment. I <clears throat> I think if you and we've done a lot of research on Queen Elizabeth for our own obsession, but also for this, and um, I, I think that. The, if you had to pick one word to describe her, you would say duty or honor mm-hmm. because she has consistently done her duty to the people of the crown. Um, mm-hmm. And she consistently does what is expected, excuse me, of her, even when it may not be what she thinks is right. And she's very good at keeping her personal opinions and political opinions to herself. Yep. Um, I would not be good at that. So no, no. <laughs> so I I find that very impressive that a woman has been in a position of power in the British government for seventy five years at this point, something like that, and she has rarely spoken out of turn. Rarely, like she's made decisions. Mm-hmm. She's been in charge, but she's never she she tends to not ruffle feathers, and that's really impressive that she navigates some really difficult political situations. Oh, yeah, over the course of her life. I mean, think yeah. about the things that she's seen, the things that she's had to navigate. And, I mean, like, it's just starting with World War II. Yeah. I mean, she did her first radio broadcast at the age of four, 14 in 1940. Um, two other children who had been evacuated from their cities during um, yeah. the bombings. Yep. And she was in Windsor Castle at this point, And she said, you know, we're going to make it like, we're all cheerful. We're going to survive. And I think that she really embodies that British spirit of 
you know what? Like, you can knock me down, but I'm going to get back up. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. And she's very, she's someone to look up to. You know, she's very much yeah. a, a, fig- a figure of, well, I, if I could be a little bit like her, that would be great. Because um, when they were, when World War II broke out, she, they were talking about evacuating her and her sister to Canada. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no. <laughs> we're not doing that. The, the, the queen, um, didn't she make a famous speech? Yeah. Yeah. The queen said something like, um, I'm going, I'm not going and my daughters aren't going without me, you know, and I'm not going with the king and he's never going to leave his people. And so I thought that was very heavy. You yeah. Know? That's, that's great. Um, and she, didn't she train as a driver and a mechanic in world war two? Yeah. She's the only female in the Royal line to have served in the military. Get a girl. In in I think in current times, I don't know about like yeah. the sixteen hundreds. Well, yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. yes. And um, at the end of the war in Europe, so on VE Day, she and her sister Margaret went outside and anonymous, anonymously took part in the celebrations on the streets of all the people like celebrating. Imagine the mo- how that felt. Yeah. You know, imagine the that moment. It would have <laughs> been huge. You know, that would have been such a such a big moment. And then. Um, the speech you were talking about was on her 21st birthday. Oh, okay. So she was on an overseas tour, and she said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of the great imperial family to which we all belong. Which, you're 21. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, that's, and she's made good on that promise. You know, that's really, that's really a great... Uh, you know, it's it's mind-blowing how young she was and how filled with duty and purpose and a sense of what she needed to do for the best of the country and, and her family. Um, she's just really impressive. She is. She's extraordinarily impressive. She was, um, she was privately tutored. I mean, all wealthy girls were um, taught in the home back in those days, but she was privately tutored by the vice provost of Eaton, um, College. Eaton, Eaton College, yes, um, but and then she was also instructed by her father, um, and and she was also instructed in religion by the Archbishop of, of, of let me try that again, Archbishop of Canterbury rather in preparation for um, her future role as the monarch. Can you imagine being like thirteen or fourteen and having to go to classes with the Archbishop of Canterbury? Uh, no, <laughs> no, one on one. Yeah, no buffer. Like, no other students. All, I'm just going to teach you about the constitutional your constitutional rights and, and she was very Religion. knowledgeable about the constitution and her role in, in it and yeah. um, I think that that really has served her well honestly throughout her absolutely her reign and her service to the country um she got married in 1947 yeah let's um, talk about her marriage let's talk about her and marriage. the wedding yes let's talk about that because they were engaged it was announced in July of 1947 and they were married in November so mm-hmm. it was a pretty quick go at it but like they had met a few times and she was always taken with him um he was actually i want to say he was a greek prince he was born into the greek royal family and he was of the denmark and greek families he was he was prince of denmark and greece but he lost his title like as a child as a child like in the war Yeah. yeah and they had to like smuggle him and his family out because they were being ousted and they were going it was going to be not great mm-hmm. for them. So they had to smuggle them out. He was actually smuggled out in an orange crate from Greece. So then he came to Britain, I believe. And so he 
started to serve in the British Army mm-hmm. and um, the Royal Navy. Yes, thank you. Excuse You're me. You're welcome. Facts. Um, facts. So he had to he had to renounce his titles and his claims in order to marry her because she was going to be a monarch. They weren't merging countries, right? Um, they created some titles for him, right? Right. Um, she actually had to use ration coupons to buy the fabric for her gown because they were still in post-war like rationing. Mm-hmm. So even the heir apparent can't get out of the ration coupon situation. Yeah. So- <laughs> Yeah, but like hundreds of people from across the UK, they sent uh, Princess Elizabeth their ration coupons to help her to buy the the wedding dress, but she had to return them all because it was illegal for her to use them. She was only allowed to use the ones that she had. Mm -hmm. Not she wasn't allowed to be gifted them, even though people were trying to gift them to her. She wasn't allowed to take them. Right. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting, specifically about um, her dress, was that. It was designed by uh, Sir Norman Hartnell, um, and it was approved in mid-August, which was less than three months before the wedding. And I believe that it was starting at this point, I could be wrong, that she has been exclusively designed by British fashion designers, which I think Mm -hmm. is just really cool. Yes. Um, And um, so I I really... He turned the dress around in like less than three months. Mm-hmm. One of the controversies about the marriage was that she kept the obey in her vows to obey her husband. And many people, yeah. many people did not like that. They thought you're going to be the monarch. You can't be obeying your husband. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you should not be obliged to anybody, you know, yeah. including your husband. And, and, um, Philip's family was actually not invited to the wedding because, because of their t- ties to the Nazi party, they didn't want it to take away from the fact that their princess was getting married. They mm-hmm. just wanted him. So that's why it was another reason why he had to renounce everything and yeah. sort of like give up his old life to marry her. Um, it was radio broadcast over six continents and seven seas to 200 million people. And 2000 guests were invited to the ceremony. It was actually pretty small in comparison to the Royal wedding of, um, Kate and what's his face? William. William. <laughs> William and Kate. Yeah, Wills and Kate. William and Kate uh, is actually a small affair compared to that because they were still in ration coupons and still, like, post-war, they couldn't afford to throw the lavish ceremony like Bill and Kate got. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, Diana and um, Charles got. It was a lot smaller than that in terms of celebration. Um, She economized. They did. They did. She and uh, Philip have four children. Um, Mm -hmm. Char Charles, yes, is first, right? Yeah. Um, he was born in forty-eight. Yeah, he's the currently the heir presumptive. Yes. Right. Anne, mm-hmm. in nineteen fifty. That was uh, before she was actually ascended to the throne or was um, yes had her coronation, and then after she became queen, there was Andrew in fifty-nine and Edward in sixty-three. She currently has eight grandchildren and eight great grandchildren. This is including the new bundle of joy. <laughs> Thank you for that, you know, clarification. Archie. Okay. All right. We did. We decided we were not going to talk about any of the grandchildren or the great grandchildren. Stay tuned for Archie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So anyway, talk about her ascension. Okay. So she is the princess, and her her father was diagnosed with lung cancer. He was a lifelong smoker, mm-hmm. and um, he was very ill. 
Yeah, so she started taking on more and more engagements for him in, in 1950, 1951. She was taking on more and more engagements. He passed away in February of 1952. She was actually in Kenya. Um, on a, 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 um, a tour for him, right? Yeah, a, taking like his royal place tour. on the royal tour. Mm -hmm. And she was notified, like, Philip. Someone told Philip. Philip told her. And um, she was queen. And she was the first sovereign in over 200 years to accede to the throne while she was, while abroad, right? Right. And mm -hmm. one of the interesting things is the royal family, every member of the royal family, no matter how, where they're traveling or how long they're going to be gone, they always pack a black dress. Yep. Or black, a suit, mourning clothing, because she did not pack mourning clothing because they were not expecting her father to pass away. And so she could not leave the plane until they brought a dress on for her that was appropriate for her to wear. And she had to like change in the plane. Um, so everyone in the royal family, wherever they travel, carries mourning clothing with them as a precaution because of that. So it's kind, of, it's kind of sad when you think about it. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, you have to be prepared. I mean, it's practical. It's very practical. Because, you know, they have such, uh, you know, duties to... And everything is so scrutinized. You know, can you imagine if she would have gotten off that plane in her, like... She wears very bright colors so people mm -hmm. can see her in public and they can tell that it's her. So can you imagine her getting off the plane in, like, a lime green dress? It would have just set the wrong tone. Can you imagine that today, especially with social media and everything? I mean, back then they didn't have social media, so it, it would have gone where in the newspapers and the radio, but... Uh, TV. A t a TV, but <laughs> to social media, it would have gone viral in like 60 seconds. Yes. The queen is not wearing... She's not mourning. She's not she's, sad. She's wearing lime She green. murdered her dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, would, it, would, it would turn into like snowball. Yes. It's a mess. royal scandal. So that's why, that's why they all carry mourning clothing with them, no matter where they're traveling to, because they want to have something appropriate in the event that someone passes away. Um, so anyway, she was 25 yeah, when her father passed and she officially acceded to the throne, right? Right. And like, it's interesting because she was told that her father passed away. They gave her a little bit of time to grieve and they said, okay, what's your reinal? <laughs> I don't know how to say this word. <laughs> Do you want me to say it? Yes. Because we were laughing about this for like yes. 10 minutes. I want you to say it because I'm not comfortable saying it. Okay. <laughs> um, I really hope this is right. <laughs> Reginal? I that that cannot be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I'm gonna say Reynal. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, that sounds even worse. Okay, stop. They're both. We bad. need to stop. Her royal name. Her royal name. <laughs> her queenly name. Her queenly name. They asked her what she wanted her queenly name to be, and she said, "Well, my name's Elizabeth, so let's go with that," which I thought was great. <laughs> um, and um, she was proclaim proclaimed clean queen. Clean. Queen. Well, I'm sure she was also proclaimed clean, but hopefully she was just proclaimed queen at the oh. time. But uh, she she was not coronated at that time. Well, I mean, because they were in mourning. Right. It right. would have been in poor taste for them to immediately crown her. They had to go through mourning. And plus, that's a big thing to plan. Mm -hmm. So they needed time to plan it. They were, like I said, they were not expecting him to pass away. Um, it's It seemed like his disease progressed really quickly while they were gone. Right. Um, so whenever she was going to get crowned and they were planning this, um, her husband, Philip wanted the kids to have his name Montbatten, mm -hmm. but that was not, not going to happen. So right. <laughs> Churchill, Didn't, um, yeah. Churchill, Churchill and the queen mother pushed Elizabeth to keep her last name and to keep the heirs with her last name as, you know, that's the family name. Windsor. You know? yeah, Windsor. Um, so later, they um, 
compromised. So all the heirs that don't have titles uh, have the last name Mott Batten hyphen Windsor, like our dear friend Archie. Oh, who, gosh. Who uh, is Archie. I'm going to make up Reginald. I don't actually <laughs> know what his middle name is. What? Um, Mott I'm Batten shocked. Windsor. <laughs> okay. Do, can we tell that we're just somebody, you know, over here, uh, won't mention any names, <clears throat> Alicia, is uh, just a teensy bit obsessed. I like babies. I know. I know you like babies. Anyway, let's go talk about her coronation. Okay. Tell me she about was, it. She was coronated, if that's a word. We're going to we're gonna make it a word. Her coronation occurred on June 2nd, 1953 at Westminster Abbey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually televised at Philip's suggestion. Was the first yeah. Televised British royal event, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big deal. 27 million people in the UK alone watched it. 36 million people at the time. Uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> the, the, there were 36 million people in the UK yeah. at that time. I read. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, millions more around the world watched. Um, she was the sixth queen to have been crowned at Westminster Abbey in her own right. Um, the first was Queen Mary. The first, who was crowned in October of 19, uh, 15, rather, 1553. 15. 53. Yeah, not, not 1953, because right. that would be weird. The only thing they didn't televise was the anointing and the communion, because those are considered sacred, and they right. didn't want those to be on the television. Absolutely. That was cool. They, like, blacked it out and just did, like, a background of, like, mm-hmm. the, the royal crest while they were doing that in the church, and then they, like, took the background off. Uh, anyway, so she had emblems from each of the countries in the Commonwealth sewn into her dress in silver and gold thread. And since that coronation, she's worn her, you know, quote unquote, coronation dress six times um, since then, including the opening of Parliament in New Zealand and Australia in 1954. I feel like she's probably not wearing that dress anymore. I mean, who knows? Maybe. She's a svelte woman. You, you get you some. You know? Um, so... Back to the coronation. Yes. Prince Charles was the first child to witness his mother's coronation as sovereign. Prince Anne did not attend the ceremony. Uh, pr- Princess Anne, rather? Excuse me. Maybe? Prince S. Anne. Got Prince Got S. Anne uh, did not attend as she was too wee. And didn't, um, didn't Charles... Um, didn't, didn't Elizabeth give Charles a, like a hand-painted or, or like a hand-written invitation yeah. to it? Isn't that adorable? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's a nice touch for when your mom's doing all these, like, official royal things. That she's like, here, buddy, like, here's a hand-painted. Mm-hmm. Nobody else there. gets that. Yeah, I want you to be there. I hope you saved that. I hope so, too. Don't sell it on eBay. Scrapbooking. <laughs> um, there were 8,200 guests at the coronation ceremony in Westminster Abbey. 129 nations and territories were officially represented. 2,000 journalists and 500 photographers from 92 nations were along the coronation route. Mm-hmm. So they had like a, the return route was planned so that the procession could be seen by as many people as possible. Didn't it take like two, two hours Yeah, to complete? It was like yeah. uh, 7.2 kilometers. What's that in American? We're ignorant here. I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is, it's a minute. Well, if the 5K is three, 3.1 miles, then it's probably like close to four-ish. All right, math. <laughs> Um, um, so anyway, the, um, many people camped in the mall to catch a glimpse of the procession. Um, there were, there were people from Australia and England just, just for the coronation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There were 30,000 men in the procession, 3,600 from the Royal Navy, 16,000 from the Army, 7,000 from the RAF, Royal Air Force, 2,000 from the Commonwealth, and 500 from the colonies. So, um, that's a lot of, uh, people. Men. That's a lot of pe- people. Let's go with people. Yeah. Okay. A lot of humanity going on there. All right. It's a lot of um, humanity. It's a yeah. lot of crowd. Yeah. I, I actually watched some videos of it and it was like, there were people literally in trees so they could see her, like climbed up in trees. There were so many people around the bottom of the tree. They couldn't get down. It was like a spectacle. And as much as I would like to see a coronation. I don't want to see a coronation because that means she'll no longer be with us. So would you, would you go to England and climb a tree to see? That would uh, be let's really hard Charles. to find a babysitter to do that, but I would really <laughs> consider it. Okay. But probably not. Probably not. It would be too many people, but I think I would definitely get up and watch Crowds. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would get up and watch it with my British tea and I would like <laughs> maybe throw a party with like, Tea sandwiches and cookies. Okay, but only like a select group of people because yeah, I don't crowds. Yeah, I don't do the crowds. Yeah, you and me both, so, girl. By the way, I'm going to Disney in a week. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy those crowds. Yeah, it'd be good times. <laughs> Not terrifying at all. Anyway, um, okay, let's talk about let's talk about her. Uh, let's talk about some some other stuff that she um, celebrated or right you know, to be to be completely clear here. There is so much that we could talk about in this podcast that yeah. we, we pared this down to the highlights and the big things, but there were other things that we had to leave out. So if you want a more comprehensive look, the the um, royal family has a website that you can read all mm-hmm. about her and, and go through. We'll post it. we'll post some links in the in the yeah. description of the podcast too, so you guys can have some extra resources. Um, also watch The Crown on Netflix. That's a great reference. And then email me and Alicia or DM us on Twitter or send us a message somehow. Um, and we would love to chat with you about The Crown. Yes. Or Queen Elizabeth. Or Queen Elizabeth. I mean, like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about literally yeah. anything pretty much. Sure. Anyway, go back to her. So um, she celebrated her Silver Jubilee in 1977. That's um, 25 years of reign. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. Uh, she... There were several attempts on her life in the 80s, um, 1981, at the Trooping of the Color. She was riding a horse, and a teenage teenager shot six shots at her and missed. She did not fall off the horse, I would like to note. She she was... Well, she is an avid horsewoman. Yes. She was lauded for her control of the horse. She actually, like, didn't take a minute to leave or anything. She just, like, kept going afterwards. Baller. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. Um... There was also a gentleman who broke into her bedroom in Buckingham uh, Palace in 1982. No. Yeah. No. She woke up and there was just like a deranged man sitting on her bed talking to her. And um, how do you sleep in that bedroom after that? They upped security after that. They felt like perhaps they might need some more. Um, um, I, I feel like maybe I would want to switch rooms. That was his second time breaking into the palace. All right. I'm terrified for her. <laughs> It's my understanding that they have severely upped the security since that event. Has. Well, I mean, if you can't get into Buckingham Palace, I mean, I didn't try I mean, to break in. You're a crazy person, so hey, you know, I, I mean, didn't you try know, to break a lovable in. crazy person. But anyway, 1992, her, uh, she calls that her horrible year, right? Andrew, her son Andrew, and uh, his wife Sarah separated. Um, her daughter Anne and her husband separated, and then during. A state visit to Germany, protesters threw eggs at her. Yeah, that's not cool, man. 
Not cool. Mm. Um, mm. Also, in that year, there was a fire in Windsor, and there was a lot of damage to the because of the fire. And um, Charles and Diana formally separated after um, some drama <laughs> that we are not not going to talk about. But Thank there you. was drama. Drama. Um, she wrote to them in 1995, right, and basically told them to get divorced, <laughs> be done with it. Yeah. Like, you need to get divorced. We're done here. We're not playing this game anymore. Um, and then, of course, in August 1997. 1997. <laughs> we said that. It. Stop talking to me. Jinx. You owe me some tea. <laughs> I drink. I give you tea every day. Anyway, August 1997, Diana was killed in a car crash, and there was drama. This yes, was. I remember this. I remember it, too. I remember exactly where I was when this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my, coming downstairs and my mom was crying and I was like, mama, why are you crying? And she told me and I had no idea what it meant. But anyway, there was drama, right? Within, um, the Royal family or not within the Royal family, but there was drama. There was drama internationally because they did not fly flags at half mast immediately. And the Royal family gave no, like, usually they come out and have a, a speech. A speech, or they come out and, and view some of the, the mourning flowers that people leave. They didn't do any of that initially. Um, another great movie called The Queen um, <laughs> is about Tony Blair and her in this time frame. Mm-hmm. It's very good. But um, they they eventually... I understand where the queen was coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, she was saying, like, you've divorced the royal family. You're not the royal family anymore. Why would we afford you the pleasantries that we afford to members of the royal family? But this was one of those times where she, you know, her, her popularity dipped. Oh, yeah. And the and the royal family's popularity dipped. But she is smart enough to, um, you know, bend. And she did eventually come out and make a speech. Well, she they, the whole family went out. The whole family went out and they looked mm-hmm. at the flowers and viewed everything with, the, you know, Harry and William. Were there and right. Charles? Right. Um, they uh, they they also flew the flags at half mast and and essentially made it right. But right. it was a dra- dramatic time for for the royal family at that point. So in two thousand two, it was it was rough. It was her golden jubilee year, so that's fifty years of being the queen. But also her mother and her sister died like mm-hmm. a month apart. Right and. Um, I watched a video and she was actually surprised that so many people came out to celebrate her golden jubilee because of the, I assume I'm making an assumption here because of the Diana drama and because of the way the Royal family had been perceived in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, she was surprised there were so many people out there, but there was, it was crazy. There were thousands, hundreds of thousands of people um, out to celebrate for her. Her diamond jubilee was 60 years on the throne in 2012 um, she and Philip celebrated their Sapphire wedding anniversary in 2012. Um, and then last year, right, in um, 2018, she announced uh, to the world, to everyone, that it was her sincere wish that she be succeeded by Prince Charles. Yes. But that she does not plan to abdicate, right? No. She's no. going to die on that throne. She said, till death do us part. That's basically what she said. Right. It, it, go back to that speech that yeah. she made that you told me about when her 21st 21. birthday. Right? She said, I will do this until I die. Basically. Right? I will serve you until I die. She's going to die on that throne. I mean, I don't want to see it happen, but, you know, let's be real. 
It's yeah. uh, it might, it's probably probably gonna happen in my lifetime. I'm gonna be really upset when that happens. I, I just know. want everyone to know. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be upset. I'll send you um, some flowers. She, she very much likes her funeral. Um, her funeral is already planned out, right? I, I don't think she likes her funeral. I but mean, like, who likes their funeral? <laughs> her funeral is planned out. They Except have it all planned out. It's been planned. I mean, she's a very long-lived person, so I'm sure once anyone in the royal family gets to a certain age. I, I'm sure that Charles's funeral is planned right now because he's a little bit older, you know? Um, he's the longest. He, he is the person that has been in the heir apparent role for the longest period of time ever because of her lifespan. <laughs> so um, she's, she's lived a long life. She's seen a lot of things. And she got to do something that I... I'm a bit jealous of and that I am positive that every Game of Thrones fan is jealous oh, of. Oh yeah. The yeah. site visit that she that she had um it was like a couple years ago now, right? Um when she visited the Game of Thrones set and the cast tried to get her to sit on the Iron Throne and she declined and I looked up the reason why and apparently respectfully. She respectfully. Well, oh yeah, and polite and politely, but there's an old tradition that states that it's considered an act of aggression if a foreign royal sits on your throne. So uh, I guess that that means even a fictional throne. Okay, spoiler alert. The last episode of Game of Thrones is next week. Elizabeth's going to come in and kill everyone and take the Iron Throne. Okay, uh, let's, I mean, <laughs> hold up with your Game of Thrones things because you're on season one, episode, what, nine? Nine. Okay, so she got no idea what's actually going on in Game of Thrones. I don't, but I want so, Queen Elizabeth to be the queen on the okay. Iron Throne. All right. Uh, you're delusional. But anyway, um, yeah. Game of Thrones. We're not talking about that. I'm surprised Talk she went about to her. go see Game of Thrones. Like, I'm surprised she went to go see the set. Well, I mean, it, the, the Game of Thrones employs probably hundreds of thousands of her subjects. Yeah, but the subject matter is a little... Oh. I'm just surprised because of the subject matter that she would go there. But it's probably the popularity of it. Um, so, anyway. Game of Thrones. Um... <laughs> She very much enjoys corgis, dorgies, but not corgis. Cor not corgis. Corgis. Corgis, horses, mm -hmm. and the occasional dorgie. Which is <laughs> a dachshund and a corgi bred together, All apparently. Right. I've learned a lot about corgis. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, Queen Elizabeth, is the head of state, but um, as you had uh, alluded to earlier, she has to remain strictly neutral mm -hmm. with respect to political matters. She's not able to actually to vote or to stand for election. She's, um, I mean, she's a constitutional monarch, which means she basically has, has um, it's, you know, her queenship is rather a formality at this point. Well, but she is the figurehead of the she government. She is, even in though, the face. Yeah, I even though argue. it's not... She's not the one in Parliament making decisions. She does actually... Um, she opens Parliament. She opens each new session of Parliament. She gives um, royal assent to legislation and approving orders and proclamations through the Privy Council. Um, she, she does have a special relationship with the Prime Minister. She does retain the right to appoint and also meet with him or her on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. They meet on a weekly basis. Yes. Um, the, all the communications between the queen and the prime minister are strictly confidential. And um, that's, that's when she's allowed to actually express her views, right? She's allowed to like encourage or, or like warn or whatnot. Right. But it's not her decision. No, no, no. It, it's ultimately 
the prime minister's decision, but she can give her advice to that prime minister. Right. Right. Um, she also has formal roles with relation to the devolved assemblies of Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Um, she, I believe her favorite castle is Balmoral, which is in Scotland. She likes to go there to get away. Mm -hmm. uh, she can be seen driving her, I think it's a Range Rover or Jeep, all-terrain type vehicle um, around Balmoral uh, Castle with her children. Okay. There are pictures. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> anyway, so there was one, there was a couple of final things that um, you and I were talking about before this, um, before we started recording. Um, and that was that, you know, one of the things that you and I both like, uh, we, we respect so much about Queen Elizabeth is her grace. Um, and she's been, she's exhibited and, and been sort of the embodiment of grace through change, through all mm -hmm. of the social change that she's seen in her very long life and her, and her long reign. Um, you know, she was, she was the queen through much of the dismantling of the, the British empire post-World War II. Right. And I mean, like how, think about all of the kings or queens that were in existence before World War One, mm -hmm. And think about how many of those still exist today. I don't actually know how many of them are, if you're asking me, or if I'm that not was a rhetorical It's question. a rhetorical question. Right. All right. Many of them did not did not make it through all of those changes mm -hmm. in their position of power. Right. She did. Yeah. I mean, she, and she remained popular. Right. There were two periods that she her popularity sort of tanked. One was the Jaguar plant. I want to say that was in the 50s or 60s. Um, the other one was the Diana situation when she mm -hmm. passed away in 97. But other than that, she maintains a high popularity for when she was tutored, she was tutored in a form of speech that is no longer used. The way she speaks is no longer used by general, the general public. Mm -hmm. She is the last vestige of a bygone era in right. terms of the way that she speaks in her education and, uh, her, She's seen some things, you know, she's lived through some really heavy things. She lived through World War II. Um, uh, how difficult would it have been to navigate all of that without losing your grace and your sense of duty and your sense of, um, this is what I'm supposed to, this is my role mm -hmm. in this country and in this world. Imagine how difficult it would be to watch all that go on around you and to... And not have a voice. Yeah. And to, uh, to respectfully work with countries that wanted to essentially dismantle your forefather's empire, right. but work with them in a way that you can remain in, I don't want to say empower, but you can remain in your position and be respected throughout it and loved by your people. That is incredibly difficult. And she's, um, she is still to the, to this day, the, the, the human representation of the, like the head of the Commonwealth um, and she's still head of state in 16 of those, um, what is it, like 50-something 50 50, member states? 53 member states. Yeah, 50, 53 member states of the Commonwealth. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really do tours anymore. She's pushed that off on the younger, younger kids. Yeah, she doesn't do any overseas travel anymore. But, I mean, would, I wouldn't either. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's actually the most widely traveled monarch in modern history so 
Did you know she doesn't have a passport? I did not. She doesn't need to have a passport because all passports are issued in her name. So Ooh. she doesn't have to have one. She can go wherever she wants without a passport. That's an interesting little tidbit. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, we want to toast to Queen Elizabeth, yes. who has seen so many things in her life. She has blazed trails for us. Maybe not personally, but I'm positive for other girls growing up in um, maybe some of those 53, com- yeah, 53 Commonwealth states. Um, you know, she has been the embodiment of duty and devotion and honor. Mm-hmm. And we look up to her and we respect her and we aspire to emulate her. Okay. So let's toast. There we go. There we go. Queen Elizabeth, we toast to you. Get it, girl. <laughs> hmm <laughs> So, Alex, thank you for spending your time with me again today to uh, talk about Queen Elizabeth. You know, I'm always happy to talk about Queen Elizabeth. Um, so, this is a little louder now by the Bridge Initiative. Um, thanks for the great conversation. Stay tuned for more podcasts featuring great women. Um that are trailblazers and if you have any questions topic ideas or if you'd like to join the bridge initiative community email us at bridge at fi360.com you can also support the podcast without spending a dime by leaving us a review on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts until next time we want you all to get a little louder now a little louder now, louder now. <laughs>